One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's June 13th, 1934, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali. The Retrospectors. So on this day, the Production Code Administration was established, and for the next 20 years, no Hollywood film could be released in US cinemas without meeting the body's decency standards on pain of a $25,000 fine. So what was on the no-no list? Some things won't come as a surprise. Excessive or lustful kissing and sex perversion were out, but also depictions of safe-cracking, childbirth and dynamiting trains. No sex perversion. Boring. (laughs) (laughs) Why even bother going to the cinema? (laughs) And the reason that these rules were formalised on this day was because prior to this, there had been less formal regulations uh, known as the formula or the don'ts and be carefuls. Hollywood generated lists which were kind of semi-conformed to and the outcomes were deemed to be unsatisfactory. I mean, in a way, this story goes all the way back to 1907, when the city of Chicago issued the nation's first municipal ordinance censoring motion pictures. That required anyone exhibiting a film to get a permit prior to showing anything, and it allowed the chief of police to withhold permits. And over the next decade or two, each state came up with its own rules as to what was permissible and what wasn't. Oh, you're not allowed to show alcohol. Oh, you're not allowed to show kissing. Oh, you can't denigrate religion. So it kind of made sense to have something nationwide that everyone was conforming to. And also it was the result of this huge backlash to a Hollywood, which was really seen as becoming increasingly immoral. Even by the heavy drinking and free living standards of the Roaring Twenties, you'd had this series of scandals, including the silent film star Fatty Arbuckle, who was charged with manslaughter in the death of an actress. And there was this shock horror bisexual director, William Desmond Taylor, who was found murdered and movie stars who were dying of drug overdoses and so on. And that really led to this the sort of formation of local-based censorship boards that were cutting together their own own uh, versions of movies to suit the standards of their communities. I do think we need to set the scene of just how raunchy these pre-code years had become because I think a lot of our most well-remembered classic era films are from the code years, stuff like, you know, Casablanca, His Girl Friday, etc. Mm-hmm. So our Fade cultural to black memories as they that... lean in and seductively exactly. hold a cigarette. So yeah. Right. So we don't really have that cultural memory of the pre-code years. It's sort of been lost. So you had films like Babyface, which depicts a teen barmaid slash maybe sex worker sleeping her way to the top of the company. There's like literally a scene where she comes out of the men's bathroom reapplying her makeup. It's it's raunchy for now. You have actresses like Mae West becoming well known for their sexual innuendos. And even the titles were enough to steam up religious conservatives. You had films called Safe in Hell, Free Love, <laughs> The Devil is Driving. And while violence, language, irreverence, attitudes were of concern predictably the most troubling aspect was the sex and nudity and so the trade magazine variety in the 1930s analyzed the 440 films released in 1932 and 1933 and they concluded that 80% were quote flavoured with bedroom essence and that 44 of them were critically sexual. Yes, but it's interesting, isn't it, to reflect back on what Arian was saying, that one of the first cases that really provoked the desire for a code like this was Fatty Arbuckle and Mysterious Dead Bodies, which wasn't about what was on screen at all, but about the character of the man. It's almost like kind of Netflix and Kevin Spacey now, isn't it? 
Like, you know, yeah. this is damaging our reputation to work with this character. You know, the studios can't be reputable organisations if they're employing Fatty Arbuckle. And that's not to do with what's on screen. And underneath all of that, there was also an anti-Semitism there as well, sometimes blatant, sometimes not, which is basically like most of the Hollywood studios were being run by Jewish immigrants. Where's the Christian virtue? It wasn't always evidenced by what's actually on screen at all, because often that was innuendo. I mean, Mae West is innuendo. You don't literally see sex, do you? It's just that the public knew it came from Hollywood and Hollywood was dirty. But it's so funny that the code itself, it gets quite philosophical in its preamble when it argues for the idea that art is neither moral or immoral. It's kind of to do with the person who's creating it and also the person who's viewing it. So it says, It has often been argued that art itself is unmoral, neither good nor bad. This is true of the thing, which is music, painting, poetry, etc. But the thing is the product of some person's mind and the intention of that mind was either good or bad morally when it produced the thing. Besides, the thing has its effect upon those who come into contact with it. So the idea was that the intent of the maker and the the sort of ideas of the viewer hugely matter. Yeah, and the supreme court did see hollywood films as products not as art for decades which is why it was possible to have a censorship board at all because in america under the first amendment if you wrote something in a book you'd be able to get away with things that you couldn't depict on screen and that was as the result of a decision that the united states supreme court made back in 1915 when they issued a ruling over the understandable concerns that had been expressed following the success of The Birth of a Nation, which glorified the Ku Klux Klan. They said, quote, it is in the interest of the public morals and welfare to supervise moving picture exhibitions. In other words, doesn't have First Amendment's rights. It is like a sausage. It's like a product that you make, and products can be regulated because they're harmful. It's not the same as art. And so in response to this growing pressure, the studios did agree to abide by a self-censorship code. And this was in 1930, four years before the day we're talking about. And what had happened in the meantime was that the people appointed to actually regulate the censorship didn't seem to really care that much about doing it. And also there was no incentive for studios to comply. So it was it was widely ignored. In fact, mm. in 1931, The Hollywood Reporter quoted an anonymous screenwriter saying that, quote, The Hayes Moral Code, it was called the Hayes Code after this guy, Will Hayes, who was the head of the Motion Picture Distributors Association. They said the Hayes Moral Code is not even a joke anymore. In 1934, they created a new body to actually enforce the regulations, not least because the Catholic National Legion of Decency was threatening a nationwide Catholic boycott of movies that were deemed to be indecent. And they appointed this guy, Joseph Breen. He was a journalist, a critic, and a hardline Catholic conservative. He was to be in charge of it. And nothing was spared from his stern moral gaze, not even Betty Boone. Under his tenure, she stopped being a flapper. She had to put a longer skirt on. And in Gone with the Wind, the childbirth scene is only seen in the shadows and the now famous line, frankly, Scarlet, I don't give a damn, was only allowed because it appeared in the original book. Yeah, because if you look at the rules really literally, most Shakespearean tragedies wouldn't qualify. Right. You weren't allowed to show blood, you weren't allowed to show vengeance, you weren't allowed to show how to do a crime from the point of view of the criminal. It had to be from the moral judgment of look at this terrible thing happening and no detail so you could copy it, which would include things like plucking out people's eyes, wouldn't it? (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) And some of it was just odd. There was a whole entry in the code for branding. Mm. You couldn't show anyone being branded. There was also a general caution about possible gruesomeness. Yes, one of the very specific things was that if you had a bedroom scene the characters must keep one foot on the floor at all times, I suppose, because 
usually you're going to take both your feet off the floor when you actually get into bed with one another. (laughs) But it did eventually start to weaken because into the 50s, you started to have more foreign films arrive in the US and they obviously weren't governed by the code. And so there was this immediate competition from films that could do whatever they wanted. And against this sort of countercultural wave, Joe Breen really overstepped his bounds in 1953 when he came down on Otto Preminger's surprisingly tame sex comedy, The Moon is Blue. And he said that it took, quote, an unacceptably light attitude towards seduction, illicit sex, chastity and virginity. And actually, the movie itself is a really light-hearted comedy about a woman who's a virgin and these bachelors are competing to seduce her and neither of them does. And one of them falls in love with her and they get married. It really is mild stuff. And so the distributor, United Artists, decided to just ignore the code and release it anyway. And really nothing happened. It was banned by a few local city movie boards, but it performed well and it got good reviews. And it just made the code look kind of stupid. And Breen stepped down the following year. And also people on the coasts, I think, had just a different view of the code by Mm. the 60s. I mean, you'd gone through McCarthyism, you'd, you'd sort of seen what a Hollywood witch hunt looked like under the guise of trying to oust communists. And I think there was probably a feeling of countercultural films like The Graduate. You know, you've got a, a, a mm. middle-aged married woman seducing a young man as an interesting proposal for a film. And the public wanted to see that sort of story. It's just not sustainable yes. anymore, is it? Yeah, and it's amazing how quickly it all fell down as well. In 1968, it was decided to replace the code with the modern-day rating system. And just one year later, Midnight Cowboy won the Best Picture Oscar. Mm. So that sort of tied a bow on the death of the production code era. Well, it's a bit like Bollywood now, isn't it? You know, there's a similar thing going on there, isn't there, where they're just not allowed for religious reasons um, to show certain things because then it won't get shown all over India and Pakistan. And actually, as a result, people are enormously fond of Bollywood films and see them as a form of escapism. The, the code did create this whole generation of movies which are still fondly remembered in a way that, like, I don't know that, you know, people now, not everyone, but a decent amount of people will go and watch It's a Wonderful Life or, you know, like His Girl Friday do people go back and watch stuff like Easy Rider, stuff like The Man with the Golden Arm, all these movies that did break those taboos in the late 50s and the 60s? I don't know if they're as fondly remembered. You know, I think they're respected for what they achieved. Is there like an alternative script of, you know, is there like a hardcore version of Casablanca that's better? I wonder. (laughs) Tomorrow. Hitler, Mussolini and Stalin all in one. He scared her more than the Nazi invasion of Hungary. Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.